talking about how do we overcome them. So let's go to the book of 1 John chapter 2, verse 15 to 17. I will welcome our guests right at the end of the service. 1 John chapter 2, verse 15 to 17. The Bible says, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the last of the flesh, the last of the eyes, And the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away, and the last of it, but he who does the will of God abides forever. Amen. We have come to our final conclusion. And I've shared with us that First John chapter two, fifteen to seventeen highlights the value system of the world. And everything that is in the world according to the word of God is summarized in those three things. And we've said Last of the flesh basically talks about the temptation to feel. I want to feel pleasure. And I've said, unfortunately, in life, when you talk about last of the flesh, people think you want to talk about sex. But it's beyond that. Pleasure, you can get pleasure through food. You can get pleasure through drugs. The people who take drugs, when they are taking the drugs, the reason why they take drugs is to feel pleasure. And when they are taking the drugs, they actually do feel the pleasure. Unfortunately, it does not last It's very, very temporal. People who take alcohol, the main reason why people want to get drunk is to feel pleasure. When they are taking the alcohol, it feels good. I know there are other types of alcohol whereby the people have to squeeze their face. But possibly the squeezing of the face is part of the pleasure. But that's the reason why people do these things, to feel pleasure. The reason why we watch binge TV, all these things that are not great and not amazing, is because we feel pleasure. When we join the actors crying, we feel pleasure. So the 
Last of the flesh has to do with the temptation to feel. I want to feel pleasure. It can be TV shows, it can be food, it can be drugs, it can be sex, it can be alcohol, it can be movies, it can be whatsoever. But that's the bottom line. Last of the eyes is the temptation to have. I see it and I want it. And we have described that as materialism. I've said that there are some things that when you see them, that's when you discover you cannot do without them. And yet before you saw them, life was okay. I've given you several examples around that. And, I've, and we have made a confession that we are as materialistic in the church as in the world. We may try to refuse it, but that's the truth. The pride of life has to be with the temptation to be. I want to be envied. When people look at me, everybody should say, wow. Is and, and, and I've said, the bottom line of all that is secularism. So when you look at the three traps and the three temptations in life, they can be summarized in these three things. Last of the eyes, last of the flesh, and the pride of life. And we've been looking about how then do we overcome these things. Because these things are real. And we as children of God, let us be humble enough for at least once in life to acknowledge and say we are caught up in these things. And Lord, we need you to help us to overcome. And the way we overcome We've said integrity is a way out. We covered about integrity extensively last week. And possibly by the time we finished our service last week, we concluded that there is a lot of work to be done. And we have said the other way out is humility. And the other way out is generosity. Today, we are going to talk about humility. What is humility and what is it not? Hallelujah. To do so, let's go to the book of Philippians chapter 2, verse 1 to 11. Philippians chapter 2, verse 1 to 11. The Bible says, Therefore, if there is any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and mercy, Fulfill my joy by being like-minded, 
having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit. But in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Let each one of you look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. And before I carry on, I'll say that one takes a lot of maturity. Number, verse 5. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a born servant and coming in the likeness of men. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Therefore, God also has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of those in heaven and of those on earth and of those under the earth. And that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Amen. So we are going to look at that in greater detail in our service today. What I would like to say is that when you look at conflicts in the world, when you look at conflicts in the church, because we are not spared. When you look at conflicts in marriage, when you look at conflicts at work, when you look at conflicts in society, the root cause of the conflicts we have is pride. Amen? The root cause of all the conflicts we have, even in the church, sometimes you feel like you did not treat me the way I am supposed to be treated. So when you look at all this that we have, and, and Proverbs chapter 13, verse 10 says, Pride leads to conflict. Those who take advice are wise. The thing that makes people not to take advice is because of pride. Hallelujah. Because the person who is advising you wishes you well. But the thing that makes you, yes, your advice, you can take it, I don't need it, you can go with it. The thing that makes you to refuse that is pride. 
And it is the very same thing that causes conflict. The Bible says we have to bear with one another. The reason why we don't bear with one another is because of pride. Hallelujah. So when we look at all these things, just understand today that the Bible says that those who take advice are wise. Those who don't take advice are, you can finish. So, so already ask yourself, do I take advice or do I not take advice? And the thing that makes me not to take advice is pride. And because of that pride, I am a finish. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So in verse 2, Paul, Apostle Paul tells us four keys to humility. And these are very critical in all our relationships, even in the church, even in marriage, even at work, even in society. In verse 2, he begins by these words. He says, fulfill my joy. Fulfill my joy. And, and when I read that, I say like, what Paul is writing here is not only to do with the church, but actually it's a thing I would say to my children. There's a family, uh, some, I think they're about three if not four brothers and one sister. These guys, they do everything together. They are odd. They are not young. Me, even me, I'm young. They are odd. They do business together. They do everything together. The other one got married, brought the wife into it. The other lady got married, brought her husband into it. Even those that came, joined them. And they operate as one unit. And I said to God, I said, Lord, I pray that my children, if they can be a legacy, that can, I can leave. It should be a legacy that my children have these four things we are talking about. Because, Lord, if I see my children displaying these four things, ah, what joy will fill my heart. So Paul says, fulfill my joy. And you know he's writing it to a church. So even me as a pastor today, I'll tell you that church, please fulfill my joy by these four things. But not only in church, but also in our relationships, in your marriage, at your workplace. Number one, he says, by being like-minded. Being like-minded means having the same mind. United in thinking. You find the same scripture, the same interpretation, same things said in Romans chapter 12, verse 16, 
in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 8, the New International Version. He says, be like-minded. Be united in thinking. That means mentally, there's going to be an agreement. Hallelujah. So he says, let there be mental agreement. Be like-minded. Have the same mind. Be united in thinking. When you're saying this is what we need to do, you say, that's great. We are going to do that. You may give your opinion, but you eventually say, you know what? I think what you're saying is what we're going to do. And you run with it. Number two, he says, having the same love. You cannot have, love has to do with emotions. So he says, even emotionally, after you have agreed mentally, I want you to also agree emotionally. You should have the same love. And Jesus said, by this, men will know that you are my disciples. If you love each other. I can assure you, if we can display the love that the Bible talks about, this church will be the church to go to. People will desire to come here. Whether you like it or not, love attracts. Amen? You can never want to be in a church where there is conflict. I know one time there's a church, I were doing some, some training and somebody shared with us a story of a church whereby because of pride, because of the conflicts that were there, one of the pastors, I think one of the senior leaders in that church came to introduce the new pastor or came to try to pacify what was going on. I, don't, I can't remember. My wife is saying, you're forgetting too much these days. But people came to church, the, the other faction came to church with panga knives. So when this senior person started to talk, the people produced panga knives and there was blood in the church. It shouldn't be like that. Amen? So, so he says, emotionally agree. Have the same love. And number three, he says, being of one accord. Being of one accord cannot happen if you are not united in spirit. So he is saying, let there also be spiritual agreement. Be united in spirit. Be united emotionally. Let there be emotional agreement. Let there be spiritual agreement. Let there be mental agreement. Let these things be there. And number four, he says, of one mind. Intent on one purpose. When you are of one mind, I can guarantee you one thing that's going to happen. There is going to be agreement in terms of direction that you want to take. Hallelujah. You will be able to say we are headed in the same direction. 
You'll not be in a kind of marriage whereby somebody is going that way and you are going that way. You agree, this is where you are go- we are going. Even if you want to build a house, you'll be able to say, we agree, this is a time for us to build a house. And therefore, everything else is going to be put on hold. This is a time for us to do this business. Not me, I'll do my business, you can do your business. Me, I'll do what I want and you can do what you want. Because I can assure you, in marriage, today I'm going to dwell much on marriage. A lot of what we see is a facade. People look as if they are together, but they are not together. Somebody one time told me and said, the opposite of love is indifferent. When you don't agree. So, he said, so I want you to imagine a marriage, imagine a church, imagine a workplace where there is unity of spirit. There is one accord, there is spiritual agreement, there is emotional agreement, there is mental agreement, and there is directional agreement. What kind of a church it will be? What kind of a marriage it will be? The question is, why is it missing? The reason it is missing is because we don't do and we don't follow the things that God tells us to do. So God is telling us, be of one accord. Be united in spirit. There is a seat in front here. And there are some two seats in front here. When, when the Bible says, be of one accord. The reason why all these things are missing is because we don't want to be one accord. We don't want to have emotional agreement, mental agreement, spiritual agreement, and directional agreement. Everybody is going where they want to go. You even sometimes find that married husbands, the husbands, they want to live independent of the wife. And the wife wants to live independent of the husband. Everybody is establishing their own kingdom. Hallelujah. And you say you are in love, you joke. You joke. Everybody's living independently. This thing of 50 50 in marriage, it's a joke. Hallelujah. Even including the money to condo at a funeral, 50 50. Electricity bill comes in the house. You share it 50-50. Are you kids? Hallelujah. The reason why there is no harmony in our marriages, the reason why there is no harmony in our, in our, in our, in our church and in our workplaces, in society today, it's because of pride. Pride. So how do we reduce it? 
We'll talk about four things. How we can reduce these things. How we can reduce conflict. How we can begin to enjoy our marriages again. How we can begin to enjoy church again. How we can begin to enjoy work again. And that we don't wake up tomorrow morning, Monday, and we begin to say, Oh, Standard Bank again. I know he will forgive me. Because I can assure you, there are people who wake up on Monday morning. They say, if I had my way, I would not go to work. And the thing that makes us not, I wouldn't go to work, is because of the conflict in the workplace. If the workplace, there is harmony, you look forward to go to work. Hallelujah. So there are four things, but before those four things, I need to give you three warnings. Because what I'm going to share is also what I'm trying to put in place myself. Hallelujah. So I will confess I'm not the expert. I'm trying to put them in place. I was sharing with people yesterday when we met for the training. I said, look here. I went home. I listened to the preaching of last Sunday, early Monday morning, as part of my devotion. And I was challenged. Because Psalms 15, if you remember, we went to Psalm 15, and uh, there was a part of the scripture that a man of with integrity or a woman with integrity, they will, they will keep their word even if it's to their hurt. And I just remembered that there was something else I had told someone else, and I needed to keep that word. And it hurt. And I was like, Lord, help me a sinner. <laughs> Amen? So three warnings. Warning number one. What I will share is 100% radically opposite to what you have been taught in life. 100%. So we are taking a radical turnaround. Number two, what I'm going to share is not natural. It's not natural. It doesn't feel like the right thing to do, but it is the right thing to do. Number three, this week, you will be tested in it. But the reason why you will be tested in this week, it will be an opportunity for you to practice the four habits of humility. Hallelujah. So warning number one, it's 100% radically opposite to what we have been taught in life. Warning number two is that it is not natural. It doesn't feel like the right thing to do, but it is the right thing to do. And warning number three is that this week, as we step out, we are going to be tested in this. But the reason why we'll be tested, it's an opportunity for us to practice the four habits of humility. Number one. Number one. You ready? How to reduce conflict in marriage. You can, you can write how to reduce conflict in marriage. How to reduce conflict in church. How to reduce conflict in my relationships. How to reduce conflict in, uh, at my workplace. Number one. Under no circumstances, let my pride be my guide. 
Under no circumstances, let my pride be my guide. Verse 3a of Philippians chapter 2. The Bible says, Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit. It's basically saying, don't do anything from selfish ambition or conceit. What does it say? The underlying factor there, you are basically saying, it's, when, you, when, you, when you are saying, it's all about me, I am always right, you are always wrong. Because this I have seen in marriages, where the husbands are always right, the wife is always wrong. Or the wife is always right, the husband is always wrong. The cause of that is called pride. And you are very, very selfish. Amen? I want what I see and I want it now. That's being selfish. That's selfish ambition. So you're basically saying, under no circumstances, let my pride be my guide. Pride is the root of every other sin. Pride. Satan was kicked out of heaven. When you go to Isaiah, I'm I'm just going to give you scriptures today. Isaiah chapter 14, verse 12 to 15. And Revelation chapter 12, verse 7 to 9. The reason why the devil was kicked out of heaven was pride. He said, I will set my throne above. He forgot that there is only one God and nobody applies for his position. Every conflict we have has an element of pride mixed into it. Hallelujah. James chapter 3.16, New King James Version, it says, For where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing are there. And I can assure you, there are husbands who are envious of their wives. There are wives who are envious of their husbands. There are pastors who are envious of their church members. And there are church members who are envious of their pastors. There are workers who are envious of their boss. Look at them. They are the only ones who enjoy driving a car like that. I can assure you. All these things I'm talking to you, they happen. And the Bible says, where there is envy, where there is self-seeking, it's all about me. I am always right. You are always wrong. He says, there, 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 there is going to be confusion and every evil thing. New Living Translation puts it like this. He says, for wherever there is jealousy and selfish ambition, There you will find disorder and evil of every kind. 
So the reason why there is confusion in society, the reason why there is confusion in the church, the reason why there is disorder in the church, the reason why there is disorder in our marriages, it's one reason. The root of that is selfish ambition and jealousy. There are husbands who are jealousy of their wives. And wives who are jealousy of their husbands. There are pastors who are jealousy of their church members. If their church members are doing well, they begin to say, for you to be where you are, it's because of me. Are you sure? You, pastors, actually pastors will tell you, for you to get the job that you have, it's because I prayed. Ah. I'm telling you, these are real things I'm talking to you about. There are pastors who want to own church members. That's why I told you, you try this papa papa thing, I'll suck you out. Because I don't do that. Did I give birth to you? Hallelujah. So don't try it. You call upon wrath. There are people, I'm not going to show you, it happens in churches. I've seen it. I've seen people who come up with a message to rebuke all the church members because they are not taking care of their pastor. No, take care of yourself now. If, if Paul was making tents, you can go and make them some tents. You can go and begin farming. If people want to bless you, let them bless you because they want to bless you. But not because you threatened. It's not right. And you are hearing it from a pastor. The day you hear me do these things to you, leave church. That's why I work hard. Amen? That's why I work hard. That's why I struggle. I don't want to be a burden to you. Living Bible says, don't be selfish. Don't live to make a good impression on others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourself. Bay, Bay and I, chilling out. Who are you trying to fool? A new release from Bay. Bay just bought me this. Who are you trying to fool? By doing these things, I want to tell you the truth. You lose touch with the reality. You try to impress people. You try to impress people. And you lose touch with reality. Because people think you are perfect. You are not facing issues in life. And therefore, they can't talk to you. It's a sign of pride. Stop posting on social media about your perfect prayer life on the mountain. Who, by the way, who takes those pictures when to, for you to post? Hmm? You take pictures on your sofa. Because you bought a new sofa, you want from Antarctica to Cape Town. They should know you have bought a new sofa. 
You just bought a new car. Please, can you, can you be just real for us? Galatians chapter 5. So from now, if I begin to see that you're busy posting these things, I'll call you privately. Because these days, remember, I have changed, right? So I'll call you privately. I'll say, you know what? You're embarrassing yourself. Because we know you. I told you I know you people. Remember I told you that. I know you. You think you, think you can fool me. I know you. I know you. Bear and I taking a walk. Bear and I, we went jogging. Ah, you joked. <laughs> we shall see. <laughs> Amen, church. This is why I love church. Galatians chapter 5, 19 to 21. In Galatians chapter 5, 19 to 21, it outlines 17 effects of living with pride. 17. It says, now the works of the flesh, meaning sinful nature, are evident, which are adultery. Adultery is as a result of pride. Fornication is as a result of pride. Sexual immorality is as a result of pride. If you as a husband or you as a wife, you are not satisfied with your husband or your wife, as a husband, you are not satisfied with a wife, and wife is not satisfied with a husband, and you think you are going to find pleasure out there, the thing that is going to make you to cheat on your wife or your husband is because you are proud. You are very proud. Uncleanness, number two. Uncleanness is impurity. The things you watch. The things that, the things that make you, you listen to a message and he says, please, can you avoid watching this rubbish? The thing that makes you, I will watch, is pride. Lewdness. Lewdness is eagerness of lustful pleasures. Idolatry. Sorcery. Sorcery is spiritism. Encouraging the activity of demons. Hatred, which is hostility. Contentions, which means quarreling and fighting. The time you quarrel with your husband, the time you fight with your husband and your wife, and you even fight in church, is because of pride. Jealousy is because of pride. Outbursts of wrath, anger, is because of pride. Selfish ambitions, meaning Constant effort to get the best of yourself, for yourself, is because of pride. Dissensions, which is complaints and criticisms, is because of pride. These people who criticize everything, everything is wrong, apart from their opinion, is because of pride. Heresies, divisions, the feeling that everyone else is wrong, except those in your little group, is because of pride. And the challenge with that is that you're going to end up in wrong doctrine. We cannot only be the right ones in KICC. Envy is because of pride. Murder is because of pride. Drunkenness is because of pride. Reverence. Reverence is wild parties. You are a believer and you go to 
yeah, 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 yeah. The whole night. Wicked Christian. It's because of pride. The reason you are not changing is because of pride. And, and the reason you fake it is because of pride. Why can't you just be humble? Hallelujah. You are a believer and you go to party? Huh? The thing that is making you do that is pride. Why can't you just be at home and enjoy your marriage? Enjoy being at home. The reason why there is no peace in your marriage is because of pride. So you run away from home and you come home drunk because you think you forget. One day you will die in a road accident and will only come to only pick your hair. Because everything else is going to be burnt. You need to change. We need to act as believers. Hallelujah. You want me to lie at your funeral. I will not lie. I will refuse to preach. I say, Pastor Sunga, you are more better of a pastor than me. God, me, I will not be part of it. I will not. Let me say today, I will not. Amen? Because the reason I'm saying it, let's continue reading. He says, and the like, other sins like this. He says, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I told you in time past, that those who practice these things, living this sort of life, will not inherit the kingdom of God. It's not me. It's in the Bible. So if you think I'm lying, it's in the Bible. And me, I want you in heaven. Most of these things are the sins that we have to deal with. And the root cause of that is pride. Because we want it's all about me. Number two. So under no circumstances... Never let my pride be my guide. Number two, be humble or you will fall, you will stumble, you will miss steps. Verse 3b says, but in lowliness of heart, let each esteem others better than himself. NIV says, rather in humility, value others above yourselves. Every great marriage, every great relationship, every great church, every great workplace is built on humility. You don't act as if you know it all. There are some people who are too known. They know everything. You are the only one who doesn't know anything. Anything they comment There is absolutely no subject which they cannot comment. They comment on everything. Jack of all trades, a master of none. Hallelujah, church. You don't act as if you know it all. But what you do is that you treat each other with respect. There is a lot of disrespect in marriages. Sometimes the way husbands talk to their husbands, their wives talk to their husbands, the ones I find to see, to have a lot of challenges in this, are wives. You talk down on your husband. 
you think is your son. He's not your son. He's your husband. The, the, way, the, the way we do it, so I come, sorry pastor, you're my friend. So I come and I say, Pastor Sum, please, be wearing the mask like this. And your wife says, I've been telling, tell him, tell him, I've been telling, I've been telling. <laughs> you do it. And I see you do it. The husband, the moment you do that, the husband doesn't feel any respect. So when your husband tells you, you don't respect me, it's not about you kneeling, giving him water to wash his hands, honey, honey, no, 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 no. It's the way you address him in public. The way you keep on telling, 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 I've been telling him, telling him. He doesn't feel any respect. And that's why you complain he doesn't love you. Because he's also proud. So he says, if you treat me like that, when Pastor Magdav comes, you'll see. If you think I'll say, honey, I'll call you Nangozo. <laughs> That's why he just calls you Jen. Jen, where are you, Jen? It's because you don't respect the guy. Especially when people have come. You behave exactly the way we were behaving when we were young. You know, the times we would be naughty is when we are visitors. We thought we could go away with anything else. And then our parents would only look at us like this. And then we say, what? What? What have I done? What? What? <laughs> and that's exactly what we do in marriage. The same games we were playing when we were young. We played them in marriage. Please, can you stop it? Amen. If you want me to tell him, contact me privately and say, uh, you and you're my husband, you are in very good books. He respects you a lot, but the, he's masik. He does his mask. Is it mask or masics? I don't know. <laughs> These things, Corona, go please. You know, the way he wears it, he doesn't wear it well. Please tell him in private. Then I'll call him and say, Ajman, I saw you last week. The way you were wearing the mask was not good. You know, when you do that, you embarrass your wife and you embarrass your children, you embarrass yourself and you even embarrass us. You know, I love you, so please wear the mask like this and all that. And, and your husband will not even know you are the one who told me that. But the moment you say, tell him, tell him, tell him, the guy is not respected. And sometimes you even do it in the presence of your children. And you want your children. And then later on you turn to your children. You must be respecting your father. <laughs> Which father are you talking about? And the husbands do the same things to their wives. And then you say, you don't submit. It's because the way you treat her, you treat her like a kid. You give each other honor. Hallelujah. That's why I've said marriage is not what? 50-50. If anybody in KICC is doing 50-50, please repent. It's 110-110. -10. You try to outdo each other in honor. The challenge we have is that humility, I think, probably is the most misunderstood quality that we need in life. Humility is not thinking less of yourself. It is thinking of yourself less. Did you get that one? 
Humility is not thinking less of yourself. It is thinking of yourself less. Did you get it? Do you agree or you don't agree? You agree? Somebody has said, Pastor, agree. What we are saying is that the more you think about other people, the more humble you are. The more you think about your wife, the more humble you are. The more you think about your husband, the more humble you are. The more you think about your wife, your children, the more humble you are. The more you think about other people, the more humble you are. Your focus is not on you. Your focus is on other people. You are thinking about how can I help other people? How could I help other people? How could I help my wife in the kitchen? Not live in the sitting room as a king waiting to be told food is ready. You can also cut onion. I've never seen anywhere in life where fire has only burnt the husbands. And then, I wanted to say something, I'm not saying it. Both of you work, she goes to work, you go to work. You leave at the same time. In the morning, she wakes up very early. So she's the one who tells you, breakfast is ready. You eat. And then you leave. You come back in the evening. She is tired. You are tired. And then she has to be the one going to the... Even if you are the first one who has arrived at home on that day, and she comes at 6.30, you go straight to the TV waiting for her to come to begin to prepare the meal. Is she your slave? What kind of life is these believers? Can't you start at least go buy a rice cooker? She should teach you that you put three cups of rice in the rice cooker. Water, you leave it here. You add this much water. So at least let the rice begin cooking. And then you cut tomato and then you cut a bit of onion. So that if when she comes, she can carry on from there. And I want to tell you, she will appreciate you. But you want her to come and begin to do everything else. And then at night you begin to move here. Close, 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 close away. I'll not come closer. I'll not. Wicked husband. I'll not. Close away. Just because now we are going to bed, that's when he's saying, hey, honey, wicked man. When I needed your hand in the kitchen, you didn't want. Sometimes it's just sitting in the kitchen even if you're not doing anything. It's appreciated. Hallelujah. Humility is not degrading yourself. It's not, a, it's not saying I'm not good at this. I'm, I'm, I'm nothing. I'm not good at that. No, 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 no. That's actually a sign of pride. Hey, what does everybody think of me? That's being proud. In the very first days when I started preaching, I used to ask my wife, so how did I preach? How did I preach? It wasn't because of that. Uh-uh, I wanted her to tell her to feed my ego. Hey, honey, today, hey, you flowed. You flowed. <laughs> flowed where? Am I water? <laughs> Am I water? So then she said, honey, today is water, water. I'm like, ah. You, you mean? Hmm. 
These days I don't ask her anything. I don't. She taught me a very good lesson once. She just asked me, okay, were you preaching to show off or were you preaching in humility to God? That was the answer she gave me one time. I looked at her and I hated her. (laughs) Hallelujah. Because you know what? What happens is this. And this thing whereby you comment on anything, hey, this country, things are not well, they should have done this, they should have done that. I will tell you the truth. The reason you, you may have a big opinion, but with very little perspective. You think running a country is easy? It's not. I used to think so. I don't think so anymore. And I had to repent and say, Lord, forgive me for everything I said about Kamuzu, everything I said about Dr. Joyce Panda, everything I said about P- uh, Professor Peter Mutarika, everything I said about Dr. Bakili Muluzi, everything I said about uh, Bingwa Mutarika, everything I said about Dr. Chakweda. Forgive me, forgive me, forgive me. My perspective of, was little, little, little. I thought I knew things. My opinion was as big as my head and my wisdom as, was as little as an ant. Forgive me, Lord, forgive me. Why can't he just do like Magufuli? Ah. Your opinion is big. Your perspective is little. If you think you can do it, go and campaign, win an election, and go and do what you think you can do. I was I was I watched a, a, an interview of one of the politicians. He says, "You know, before before I became an MP, I thought I'm going to go there. I'm going to change things." And, and da, 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 da. I came here and I discovered and I said, "Yeah." So a lot of things I don't comment, and a lot of the social media groups you are in, there's a lot of criticism. The background of that, those criticisms is pride. The inserting that goes on on social media is because of pride. The reason why you think your tribe is better than my tribe is because of pride. The reason why you say, as for me, I can't get married in the north is because of pride. Go and marry the ones from your tribe. Plenty. Go and marry. Let them beat you well, well. Just be humble. Hallelujah. I'm demolishing a lot of things. Because if you continue like that, you will die. Humility is not putting yourself down, but building other people up. Great people make people feel great. Little people belittle others. Hallelujah. Humility is not devouring yourself. It's valuing other people more. Humility is not denying your strengths. It's about being honest about your weaknesses. All of us, including myself, we are a bundle of strengths and weaknesses. Humility is about being honest. It's about being honest about both. I'm good at this. I'm not good at that. I'm strong in this. I'm weak at that. You ask my wife, you ask my children the weaknesses I have. You'll be shocked. That's why I keep on telling you I'm a work in progress. 
Ask Pastor Sunga, because I, I, at least he's very close to me. Sometimes he has seen me angry. Pastor to pastor angry. I'm like, Pastor. One day, I can't remember what he asked me. I just wrote him a verse. And he went to complain to his wife. Look at what Pastor McDuffie said. Am I missing scripture? And then I said, so you went to complain. You think I'll change? I can't change. What I said, I said. Pride again. I'm always right. You're always wrong. Humility is about being honest. About both. These are my weaknesses. These are my strengths. Amen? And because of that, God makes more promises about humility more than anything else except generosity, which we'll look at next week. He promises his power. He promises his presence. He promises his great honor. He promises, he promises his peace. He, he says, I'll make you prosperous. I'll make you successful. All those things come from humility. James chapter 4, verse 6b says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. New New Life Vision says, God works against the proud, but gives loving favor to those who have no pride. So what the Bible says is that God hates pride, he hates ego, he hates arrogance, he hates self-centeredness, he hates self-promotion. If you are prideful, just understand you are on the opposite side of God and you are going to lose the battle. Amen? When he says he gives grace to the humble, grace is the ability to forgive when you feel like not forgiving. I will not talk to him anymore. These silent treatments we give each other in marriage. It's being childish. Did you do something wrong? Yes. Did she do something else? Wrong? Yes. But you know what the Bible said? Forgive. That's what the Bible said. The reason you don't forgive is because you are very proud. Hallelujah. Grace is the ability to resolve conflicts with your wife, conflicts with your husbands, conflicts with your pastor, even when you don't feel like it. I stopped talking to pastor. You are very proud. You are very proud. I can do without him. It's true. There are so many things we can do without. You can do without KICC. You can do without Pastor McDuff. You can do without your wife. You can do without your husband. You can do without your job. And they can do without you. But the, all the things that you can do. You know what? But the only things you cannot do without is the Bible says, without me you can do nothing. God says so. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. Without faith, it is impossible to please him. You look at it, it's only spiritual things that we cannot do without. But you doing without Pastor McDuff, you can do without. I die today. This church will carry on. And actually, even Pastor Sunga will rise up even greater than me. It happened when I was working in Ghana. The country program I was heading struggled, struggled, struggled. I was grooming someone else. She took over from me. It excelled. So I can't say I'm the best. No, I'm not. I'm not. Confession number one today. I'm not the best thing to come on planet Earth after Adam. I'm not. Some of you in this church, you are much, much better than me. 
And the thing that makes you not to work alongside is because you are proud. I can preach better than him. Let's join hands now. I started doing this thing, this preaching business full time from 2012. It's hard to come up with a sermon. So these days I say, Pastor Sunga, you're preaching for six weeks. Let me rest. It's because it's not easy. So if I can have as many preachers as possible, as long as you don't feed the people trash, as long as it's not adrenaline that makes you think you want to preach, I'll give you the pulpit. Amen? Hallelujah. But then when you come, come in humility. Don't come and say, so now today, uh, church, so today, uh, you know, I want to preach better than Pastor McDuff, so... You just lost it. Just come in humility. Grace is the ability to build a strong relationship when everything else wants to tear apart your marriage. That's grace. So the only way your relationships will last is with God's grace. And the only way you get God's grace is by being humble. Number three. Learn to pay attention to people. We are suffering from a disease. The disease is called attention deficit disorder. Philippians chapter 2 verse 4 says, Let each of you look not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. Me saying, stop paying attention to screens and phones more than people. If I am talking to you, please stop checking WhatsApp. Hallelujah. Put the phone down and say, uh-huh, pastor, what are you saying? And also don't be saying, hey, come on, uh-uh. give me your attention. Check in meetings. In meetings, people can walk in a meeting. Whilst they are waiting for the meeting to start, everybody will be on WhatsApp. People these days don't talk to each other anymore. Technology has made us not to pay attention to people. Technology. And, and, and the reason why we like it is because we put something else on Facebook. On, uh, I, let me start with Facebook. So I post something on Facebook and every two seconds I'm checking how many likes do I have. How many likes do I have? It's because you don't like yourself. That's a reason why you're busy checking these things. To see how many likes you have. How many people like my, my post today? 59 people like, oh, only 59. Yesterday it was 1,000. WhatsApp, you post the status. Actually, all the statuses on WhatsApp, I call them self-advertisement. So you want to see how many people have seen. How many people have seen. How many people have seen. Instagram. Be interested. And the others are forgotten. Check, check the reason why you post those things. The, I can tell you most of the times is because you want to be seen that you are much better. People should pay attention to me. Me, 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 me. Most people are wrapped up in themselves to notice other people. To notice some, that somebody is struggling. You can come to church like this and not notice that somebody is struggling. 
And not notice that the dress your friend wore today is exactly she has been wearing for the past six weeks. Now, what I know about women, they want to wear a dress today. We should forget that they wore it the next time they wear it. So that we should say, hmm, is this a new one? <laughs> and, it's, and the other lady feels exactly like you and you are not humble enough to go and take, no, not the one that you don't like, but even the one you like and give it to her so that she should look also kenge, as my daughter says. You are wrapped up in yourself. You can make a choice at least maybe once a week to brighten up somebody's day. You walk, about, you walk past people. You don't even say, good morning. I, I used to do that. Sometimes when I'm driving, I say hi. And my wife used to ask me, do you know them? I'm like, no, I don't. I, I, I just wanted to say hello. Not, not to show off and say, look at my car. Uh-uh. But how are you? Amen? You don't greet people. You don't greet people. You go straight to your office. It has to be your personal assistant or executive assistant who has to say, good morning, boss. And you say, two sugars, please. Because for you, they are asking you, how many sugar do you need in your tea? You can't even ask them, how is it? I can assure you, there are a lot of people who are working, who are bosses. They don't know the names of the children of the person who serves them. They don't, they don't even know. They, you, have no, you are not interested in other people. Be the 21st century good Samaritan. Amen? Be what? The 21st century good Samaritan. Once a week, brighten up somebody's day. I was sharing a story yesterday when we met. I said, look here. I was driving to work. I was driving very fast. But I saw a car of one of our members here parked by the side of the road. Then I called. I said, are you okay? He says, oh, no, I'm fine. But, I said, but at least, I think two times, three times a week, this person makes porridge from their house. Because she noticed a woman with a malnourished child who stops somewhere by the side of the road. And she goes to feed this child at least three times, I think four times a week, if not five times a week. And I felt good. And I said, God, at least when I preach in church, there are other people who hear what I preach. Can you be a good Samaritan? Not even try to be a good Samaritan because you want them to come and join KICC. Just be a good Samaritan. Amen. Don't just be interested in your career. It's only you who should go to school. Your wife shouldn't. Don't only be interested in your agenda, in your hobbies. Be also interested in other people's needs. Fathers in church, be interested in your children. To a child, that is love. For you, it takes humility to do that. Here are some questions I want to ask you. Question number one. Are you interested in what your wife says? Are you interested in what your husband says? Are you interested in what your children say? 
Because by nature, we don't really care what others think or want. We think more about ourselves than anyone else because that's human nature, but we can be better. Are you only interested in what concerns you? Do you get bored with friends or people when they talk about things they are interested in, but you want them to be interested in the things you are interested in? Paying an attention, church, I want to tell you, is an act of love. You are telling people, you matter to me. So I'm saying, please listen by paying attention. Number four, ask yourself, what would Jesus do? Philippians 2.5 says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Any situation you face in life, ask yourself, what would Jesus do? It will make you to become less angry on the road when people cut you, when people are not giving you way, when people block you. It will, just ask yourself, what would Jesus do? When somebody dupes you in business, ask yourself, what would Jesus do? When somebody is really annoyed, being the pain to you at work, ask yourself, what would Jesus do? You are facing a problem, what would Jesus do? Somebody is feeling guilty and they feel like they are nothing, what would Jesus do? You see this lady by the side of the road with a child who is malnourished. Ask yourself, what did Jesus do? Somebody so worried. Ask them, what did Jesus Ask yourself, what did Jesus do in this situation? Any situation. You see, things are not okay in church. Ask yourself, what did Jesus do? I really want to thank our brother today. Our, our, our brother who plays drums was running late today. And one of the brothers just rose up and went and played drums. And I said, that's exactly what Jesus would do. You play guitar and you come to church and somebody else who plays guitar is late. You say, ah, as for me, I don't play. I, I, I'm not going to go there. Even if you come and you do sound, mangale, come and play. Amen. Finally, let's finish. Three examples on what acting like Jesus means. Three examples. Number one, verse 6 to 7. The Bible says, Who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a born servant and coming in the likeness of men. So, number one, I don't demand what I think I deserve. I don't demand what I think I deserve. Because in life, we think we deserve a lot of things. And then we begin to demand. He didn't demand his rights as God. Amen? And we say, it's my right to do this. I demand my rights. I want to tell you something. Demanding, whenever you begin to demand, you make people to resist you. Every time you begin to demand, I demand my rights to be visited as a member of KICC. And if you don't visit me, I stop coming to church. People begin to resist you. The question is, a lot of people who want to be visited have never visited anybody in church. But they believe it is their right to be visited. Begin by visiting other people. You will be visited. You will get tired of people coming to your house. Begin calling other people in church. I didn't see you in church today. You will be tired of getting calls. Say happy birthday to somebody on the church WhatsApp group 
when it's their birthday, you'll be surprised how many WhatsApp happy birthdays you receive. Instead of you counting down and say like, hey, on my birthday, only three people said happy birthday. But the birthday of Brother Levy, 1,000 people said happy birthday. It's because you don't say happy birthday now. Amen. Begin to say happy birthday to people. What you sow, you reap. I want you to know, I want you to know this. You can be tender without surrender and get your needs met without chasing people away by being nice to people. What we do, even as believers, sometimes we chase people away from our lives because we demand. There are pastors who demand. The examples I gave earlier. You demand. And your church members begin to resist you. They begin to resist you. Because you demand. Number two. I look for ways I can serve. Verse 7 says, But made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bond servant and coming in the likeness of men. Learn to serve. Learn to serve. Look for ways you can serve. Even here at church, look for ways you can serve. I, you know, once a week, once a month, I'll just come very early to church to help with traffic. Once a month. Once a week, once a Saturday, I'll just go to church and help arranging chairs once once even if it's once a year but learn to serve amen the world's value says the more people serve you the more important you are god's value says the more people you serve the more important you are it's always opposite i want you to know self-esteem high regard for yourself doesn't come from status it comes from service The more you give your life away, as we sang this morning, the more God blesses you with honor. A very good example is Mother Teresa. Mother Teresa, she served the least in the world, beggars that were dying on the streets of Calcutta in India. But God raised up to speak to the U.S. Congress, spoke to uh, the U.N. And what God says, God says their way up is down. Before honor come is humility. Humility precedes honor. Proverbs 18 verse 12. So if you want to be great, be the servant of all. It's a habit you can develop by doing small things. Not just the big ones whereby people have to see you. God tests your humility every single day. You, when you see piece of trash, do you say they pay staff to do that? Or you pick it up? When you go in the toilet, do you leave it better than the way you found it? Or you say there are people who are paid to clean that? Whilst character is revealed in great crisis, but I want you to know it's built in the day-to-day things like returning the shop trolley at ShopRite. Don't take a trolley in ShopRite and drive it all the way to the car park and leave it there. Take it back to ShopRite. Don't say the re- pastor, the reason they pay people. Take it back. Hallelujah. Simple things like those. Tell your wife, tell your children, wait. Don't even ask your little child to say, hey, take the toilet. No, you take it. <laughs> Amen. Leaving the toilet better than the wait. It's having a heart of a servant. I, I, found, I, I didn't find it right, so therefore, 
Even if you didn't find it right, go draw water, clean it up. Let somebody come and say, wow, this toilet smells better. Simple things. It's, it's going the extra mile. God blesses that. And when you do good, God will bless you. Number three, the final one. I do what is right even when it's painful. Verse 8 says, And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even of the cross. And the greatest example of humility, verse 9 to 11, I exhorted him and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow, of those in heaven, and of those on earth, and of those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Why? Because of these things. And I want to finish with these words to say that one day what I'm preaching here is going to happen. One day, they, and I want you to know, there is no higher name on planet earth than the name of Jesus. There is no greater than the name of Jesus. One day, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. All the atheists one day will bow. Hallelujah. One day, all this denial will end. The world will acknowledge Every age, every nationality, every, even all the rock stars, all the world leaders, one day they will bow and they will say, Jesus, you are Lord. One day. All the scientists, all the businessmen, they will de- declare, it's just a matter of time. It's just a matter of when. Right now, Christ comes in love, but one day he will come in judgment. Why am I saying so? Because I believe God never did not waste his son. He didn't. Christ came for a reason. Amen? Right now, it may look like the other side is winning. But you know what? Jesus is Lord. It may look like people are not interested in church anymore. But Jesus is Lord. Louis Palau, who was the Billy Graham of Latin America, went to be with the Lord within this past week. And these are the words that Louis said. He says, the church in America throughout the 1800s was not a rosy place. Only about 25% of people even attended church in the 1880s. By the time D.L. Moody came on the scene, church life was low and occultism and spiritualism were ragingly popular. And I add, but Jesus is Lord. It may look like Christ is losing this battle, but I want you to know Jesus is Lord. Hallelujah. Research may show that it may be accurate that the young people today, the young generation today is not interested in church as our parents or our grandparents were interested. But Jesus is Lord. You, you, you are at a point in life whereby you think you can't even cope up one more day. But Jesus is Lord. You may never resolve the problems that have troubled your marriage. But Jesus is Lord, you may never resolve the endless painful circumstances that continue to come your way, but Jesus is Lord. Hallelujah. People may endlessly continue rising up, wanting to do you harm and hating you, but Jesus is Lord. Right now you are saying, I am discouraged. My words are Jesus is Lord. You are saying, I am worried. My words are, Jesus is Lord. I am now tempted to leave Christianity. I am saying, Jesus is Lord. Hang on, dear brother. Hang on, dear sister. 
You're saying, you know what, right now I'm really so fearful. I don't know where I am going. I am growing and I'm not getting married, but I would like to have children one day. I want you to know Jesus is Lord. He knows what he's doing with your life. Right now I'm, I'm bankrupt and, and business is not going well. Things are not fine. And I have no idea how we're going to face tomorrow. Ah, because he lives, we can face tomorrow. Jesus is Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. You're so fatigued. You're so stressed. Find that even chewing of food by other people irritates you. Jesus is Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. You may be grieving right now. And it looks like, oh, God, what's going on? I want you to know Jesus is Lord. All you can say this morning is to say, Lord, I want what you want me to be. For you are Lord. John Day said in John chapter 3, verse 30, he says, increase. Let me decrease. That is humility. Let's pray. Father, we declare this morning that you are Lord. Be glorified. Be exalted. Be lifted up. In Jesus' name. Amen. It's a time for offering. And, uh, and if you tithe, please kindly stand. Don't join the group of people who say, I'm not going to give a tithe. It's not in the Bible. That's pride. It's in the Bible. Hallelujah. So if you brought a tithe this morning, just stand up. I want to pray for you. Just want to pray for you quickly. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, I want to thank you for our dear sister uh, who brought the tithe this morning. There's a promise in Malachi. You say you open windows of heaven that there will not be room enough for her to receive a blessing. Do so, Lord. You say you rebuke the devourer. Thank you that the one who rebukes is you, not the pastor. Lord, do it in our life. Let her not suffer miscarriage of any sort. Let her become a delightful land. Do good to her. Be exalted. Be magnified. In Jesus' name. We pray for the offering as well. Bless it. Your word says give. It shall come back to you. Good measure. Press down. Shaking together. Running over. We know God is not only money. We can also give our time. Attention to other people. We pray today in the name of Jesus. Bless your people Lord. Those that are. At the wit's end of life. And they don't know what's going to happen next. Lord I pray make a way. I pray you raise up somebody. Even in the congregation today. To become an answer. To minister to the needs of others. Thank you. For you resist the proud. But you give grace to the humble. Be magnified this morning. In Jesus name. Amen.